Good morning, family. My gosh. It's like if we um, are coming to the States and we can get here and be with you guys, it's like we're doing it. And so literally the reason we drove, we, we've been driving way too much and we're nomads when we're in America. Um, but when we can get to Colorado, it's just honestly to be part of family. And I was with Lonnie the other night for a few hours and you know, when he and I get together, we just spin out and it was just awesome. So uh, one of our director at uh, G42 starts class and he says this, he says, church should be more like going to the gym than going to the movies. <laughs> so we might go to the gym a little bit today. We'll see what God wants to do. Um, I think that uh, this is what God's doing on the earth, what's happening right here. Uh, the new generation, Generation Z, 1% of them have a biblical worldview. Um, they're not going to the church, the institutional church, and we love the church, we love the bride, but it's going to shift a lot over the next decade to two decades, and it's all about community and life together, and that's, that's where they're headed, and it needs to look like the generation. And as us old folks that are in the room, I'm probably the oldest in the room now. How old are you, Carl? Come on, come on, 42nd generation, babe. All right, hey, so quickly for those that I don't know, um, we bo I was born and raised here, lived in Colorado Springs my whole life. We got to see a really cool small movement of God in the 90s, thought that was going to be it, and then the enemy and dumb decisions destroyed all of that, and our reputation and a marriage that I had and all kinds of things, um, and met my incredible wife. She was widowed for five years and moved here from Michigan. And God gave her to me to save my life. We'll be married 20 years this year. Six babies together. Our last one has just left us. So it'll be the first time we've ever been alone in 20 years. We're a little nervous. You know, you, I know if Noah's coming home, my 17-year-old, my there's a barrier. So I just kind of buy time until he gets home, and then she can't yell at me. But now I have no barrier, so we'll see what happens. <laughs> Uh, we, yeah, we live in Spain most of the time. We have a leadership school there called G42 Leadership Academy. Um, we like to keep it small, about 30. We're going to have 35 students um, in March. It's getting a little crazy. We had like 60 visitors last semester, which was not good because we like to keep things really intimate. And we do this thing. We started this thing called the World Race 13 years ago. And young people do 11 countries in 11 months. And then we go out and find the leaders of the leaders on the world race. And we invite them to come to Spain for nine months of training just to go start leading a missional community, missional life, no matter what they're going to do. Entrepreneurship, they're going to go be a janitor. They want to do ministry. We don't care. You're just going to lead a community like this. And, and you're going to activate people Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You're just not, not going to go sit in a pew on Sunday morning and then just go through life. And a lot of us get stuck, especially in America, because comfortability, being comfortable, is the number one enemy of America. It's the biggest demonic structure over America. And, you know, our garage doors go up and we pull in and our garage goes down and we like to just be left alone because the day just sucked and it was hard and life is hard. And God's going, wait a minute, I've got to shift that. And so he allows us to go through amazing, horrible, beautiful, crazy things. We lost the son in 2013, as most of you know, Michael. Uh, he was 19. I, I don't know why it hit me, but it's the first time we've all been together as a family for Christmas since he died. And
and uh, our two grandbabies and all of our kids. We were all together in St. Louis, and it was incredible. We've had the best holiday we've had in years, years and years and years. It's been really good. I told everybody coming in uh, spiritually on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 being the best. I'm, spiritually, I'm at a 10. Like, I'm the best I've ever been, and I'll tell you why. Um, physically, I came into America at about a 3 or a 4 just because we've been running so hard. And now I'm back up to like a seven, so I'm doing good. We got to go kill birds, go hunting, and you know, do some fun things that I like to do, um, and just being with the family. <clears throat> but in in Spain, we kind of fell into some things, and I want I want to hit this with your spirit. I just feel like the word of the Lord over or Keystone still today is that God wants to create a thin space over this body, and He wants to create something really special that can actually start to transform one person at a time in Colorado Springs. This isn't about trying to bring this great big revival where tens of thousands of people are just going to get saved instantly because it's really honestly I don't think it's even about that I think that Jesus didn't tell us to go get people saved he told us to go disciple the nations and we're discipling them in fear and we're discipling them in this horrible tribulation that's going to come and destroy the earth and we're literally saying to non-Christians look if you don't do this you're going to go burn in hell because God started this whole thing just to send everybody to hell and my question is, what's God's point? Did God actually start this thing to fill hell? I just don't think so. I think he started this thing, as, as Habakkuk says, he to, to cover the whole earth in God's glory as the waters cover the sea. And I think we win this thing. And so in Spain, being around my mentor, Andrew Shearman, he just turned 76 a couple days ago. He's an absolute wild man. The other day he stood up at a mega church in Harrisburg couldn't believe it. You know, 5,000 people. The pastor introduces him, says, we wouldn't be here without Andrew Sherman. And Andrew and I are tucked away in this little village in Spain and Lisa, you know, with 30 young people. And people keep asking, why are you doing that? Why don't you come back out? Lou Engle wants me to be at these stadium events. And I'm like, ugh, I can't do that anymore, you know. And um, they introduce him as this man who established this church and they wouldn't even be there. And they go on and on and honor Andrew. And he gets up and he grabs the mic and he goes, to hell with the devil. <laughs> like, that's Andrew right there. And, uh, he, you know, just being with him every day for now over four years uh, has brought my spirit to a place. We, we entered Spain completely dead. I think I would have lost Lisa, she'll tell you. Uh, I don't think she would have made it if we wouldn't have left Colorado Springs. And um, we got there with nothing. And over the last four and a half years, God has taught me specifically how to hold my pain, how to hold good news and bad news the same. If I get a call and say, hey, Black, this has happened. This is incredible. Come speak of this thing. Or if I get a call and one of my kids is struggling, it's horrible. We're not sure they're going to make it. I honestly hold it exactly the same way. My emotions don't get affected. I get, you know, I can get sad. I can get, I can get, but I just go right to the Lord and I do, I, I, I've become prayer. I don't go pray. There's just this lack of performance that I don't even care about anymore. You know, and, and, I, and I can sit there and hold my pain and allow it to do something instead of numbing it. And guys, I want you to hear this. You don't perform your way in. You don't work your way into healing or changing a season in your life. We have hundreds of seasons in our lives, and they all belong. You fall into healing. You fall into good things. You can't make it happen. You just get to be. You get to hold it. You get to say, instead of God, please take this away. You get to say, why is this here and what are you trying to teach me? And we got to move from please to thank you. We've got to stop saying, please, God, changes to thank you, God, for whatever you're doing 
because what I'm going to be on the other side of this is completely different. And that's the point. And if we don't do that, he doesn't allow us to transform other people's lives. Wounded people wound people, wound people, transform people, transform people. The only way we become transformed people is by going through crap, going through really hard, undescribable, can't define seasons, right? And I literally try to run to liminal space. That liminal space is, but I don't know what you're doing, God. I have no idea. If I did, I'd probably screw it up and get in the way, right? And so I'm going to have to trust you at a deeper level that you're actually doing what we just sang, that you're actually always working and doing something, and you are that promise keeper. You are. Those are the kind of songs. We can't sing these songs of, I hate most of our worship out there. It's needy. <laughs> oh, God, help me. You know, these songs. Be like, no! But what's happened in Spain because of this and we got a multi-generational staff. And, and, and in these missional communities, guys, my biggest struggle is finding elders that understand kingdom theology. They say they understand kingdom theology. And I say, okay, I need elders around my communities with these kids coming off the world race and out of G42 that want to do something on the earth. And they go, awesome, we're in. We'll take them to church on Sunday morning. <laughs> I'm like, good, that's awesome. And if your church is activating everybody in that church to step into their gifting, and if that church is reversing oppression in their cities, in their counties, if they're serving the homeless, they're doing that, if that church is allowing the Holy Spirit to do whatever he wants to do and we're following the Father, I love that church. Absolutely. But you need to be doing that on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, and Thursday, and Friday, right? It's living this kingdom life, but it comes down to self sustainability it comes down to every morning so every morning i travel with andrew doesn't matter where we go every single morning we were in um, gainesville at a rethink retirement a few months ago and i hadn't been with him in a while and he stayed in the same room as i did and i'm at, i'm over making breakfast and then all of a sudden i hear every morning right at 6 a.m oh well andrew's up <laughs> and then he's like comes out of the room like Morning black. And he goes in the and he looks in the mirror and he's shoko tokarabaso. And he just speaks to his spirit man every single morning to start his day by waking himself up. He does it every single he's but I've been been around him for 25, almost 30 years now, and I've never not known a morning where he doesn't do that. And every time he sees me from across the hotel lobby or on the streets in Mijas, wherever he goes, shut up, so cut up, come on, black. And I'm like, Kodan, we just pray each other in tongues. And everybody's like, what the hell are they doing, right? But it's just this life that Andrew has lived that he's imparted to me, that I'm imparting to our, our mid-30, 37 years old as our director, that we're imparting to the, the interns that are in their 20s. There's just this life that's happening. What I didn't realize, I was hiking up in the mountains with my little poodle champ the other day, and the, and the Holy Spirit said to me, there are hundreds of thousands, maybe millions of people sitting on the third and fourth row of every church in America that have never been activated, never been told who they are. And it takes a prophetic word from a prophetic person to speak that into your spirit so it becomes reality because it's already there. You just don't know it until it's activated. Remember when Solomon meets Saul and Saul walks up to him, and Solomon says, 1 Samuel 9, Solomon says, I'm going to tell you everything that's in your heart. And when he does, what does Saul do? He starts prophesying with all the prophets. Because it was always in him, 
He just didn't know it until Sam, Samuel called it out of him. Right? So there's these dreams and there's these gifts and this beauty that's in every one of us. And the enemy keeps us locked down by the, the grind of life. And we never get to that freedom. We never get to that place where no matter what circumstance is happening in my life right now, I, I am not controlled by my circumstances or my emotions. Holy Spirit and Father control my life. Period. When I wake up in the morning, no matter what the news is, every morning I wake up to 20, 25 messages from somebody around the world, one of my kids, something. It's always bad. It's always about suicide. It's always about something. I got to make a choice right then. Okay, Father, what am I speaking into these? Right? And, and what am I going to do with it? I'm going to lay it at the cross. I'm not going to carry it around. And I'm going to start praying in the Spirit. And I'm going to get into the Word. And I'm going to sit in the Word. I'm going to invite Holy Spirit into the Word with me. Because I've been so ground down by dispensationalism. I'm a recovering dispensationalist and evangelical, right? We literally, neurosciences will tell you, you put words into what you read in the Bible that aren't even there. Because your whole life you've been told this one thing. That, 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 that you've got to get saved or you're going to hell. And my God, tribulation's coming. We just got to get out of here. Right? We're, we're these few more weary days, and we get the hell out of here. And oh, my God. And God's like, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. It's the opposite of that. We get to bring heaven to earth every day. This is heaven. We're not going somewhere. We get to actually bring heaven to earth every day. When I walk in a room, the room changes. Can I say that? And I don't say that with any ego. Maybe still a little. I hope not. God will rip it out of me if it is. I can promise you that no matter if we've just fought, no matter what news I got, no matter what's happening, when I walk into the classroom at G42, my spirit's fully alive and the room changes. And my heart actually goes before me and enters the room before I even get there. And I can show you that scripturally as well. I want to read one passage to you and I'll, I'll finish up. Shata, vaso, come on. Can we pray in tongues in this church? This is my home. I get to do whatever I want. All right. You all know this, but I love this in the message. God, I love this. You guys, life is so good. It really is. When you can catch this thing that you get to bring heaven down to earth, that he's limited himself to you and I, to actually release Holy Spirit on the earth every day, and that every heart that I meet is going to look like the Garden of Eden no matter what. Your hearts are going to be, they're going to look like the garden by the time we're done here today. Because we get to affect each other's lives that way. Yeah. And you get to do this at work. You get to do this everywhere you go. Because that is what we're put on earth to do. Yeah. Period. There's nothing else for us to do except to change hearts all around us. Amen? Amen. Matthew 3, 11 through 17. I just got to read scripture so, you know, I don't get somebody emails me and goes, he doesn't even read the Bible. Stupid. <laughs> all right, in the message is so good. Matthew 3, 11 through 17. I'm baptizing you here in the river, turning your old life in for a kingdom life. The real action comes next. The main character in this drama, compared to him, I'm a mere stagehand, will ignite the kingdom of life within you and fire within you. The Holy Spirit within you, changing you from the inside out. He's going to clean house, make a clean sweep of your lives. He'll place everything true and proper in its proper place before God. Everything false he'll put out with the when it'll be in the trash to be burned. Jesus then appeared, arriving at the Jordan River of Galilee. He wanted John the Baptist to baptize him. John said no. And he's like, no, you're going to do it. You have to do it anyway. So John couldn't argue because it was Jesus. 
So he did it, right? And then the moment Jesus came up out of the baptismal waters, the skies opened up and he saw God's spirit. It looked like a dove descending and landing on him. And along with the spirit, a voice, this is my son, chosen and marked by my love, delight of my life. Can I ask you that question? Are you, are you the delight of the father's life? Do you feel that every day? That he, he says in Psalms 30, 37, he, that he delight, he rescued me because he delights in me. I'm actually God's favorite every day. No matter what I look like, no, if I've stopped praying, if I've stopped doing it, oh, I've got to read you this. My God, my little six-year-old granddaughter, did you read what I posted? This was her thing this morning. Ah, oh, my six-year-old. This is my six-year-old. You ready? Okay, they're watching. She's watching Stream Church with my daughter-in-law this morning. And she says, uh, this is what Michaela just told me. People that betrayed God are in heaven now. Sometimes God, God does not forgive you right away. He's waiting to be asked for forgiveness. Those that betray God get separated if they don't ask for forgiveness, like Adam and Eve. Even if you don't ask for forgiveness, God will forgive you because he just needs a few days to cool down. six-year-old granddaughters golly grandbabies changed everything Jesus 30 years nothing I know because Lonnie's taught you guys all this she probably wasn't a carpenter all this stuff we're not going to go there comes out right into his ministry John the Baptist was called in Matthew 12 what the greatest man we'd ever seen he was better than any man ever before and then what does Jesus say you're better, way better than him. Why? That's my first question. Well, we'll, we'll get there. Second, he says, you're going to baptize me. Now, why do we get baptized? We get baptized to wash the old sin life away and step in the new sin. But Jesus was a man with no sin. So he didn't need baptized to wash his old life, his old sin life away and become new why in the world would he have the greatest man on earth that we knew to that point baptize him in the Jordan? And I'm telling you, this is the, the whole point of our existence on earth. This is why we do what we do. This is why I can go nonstop for nine months and my spirit man's at a 10 and I'm exhausted, but I, can, I know I'm going to get to rest. I know I'm going to get some, some real good, some goodness out of it. I know bad stuff's going to come. And I know I'm going to hold it the same. I know I'm just going to be okay. Right? And if I die in the midst of it, hallelujah. Right? It's like, thank you, Jesus. I'm already dead anyway. Right? And so Jesus says, you've got to baptize me because you've been the greatest man of the old covenant that we've ever known. Now all these new covenant people are going to be way better than you. And you're baptizing me out of old covenant and in the new covenant. And now, new covenants on earth, and we get first time in Scripture we ever saw the Trinity together. You got God the Father leaning over the balcony of heaven, going, Joseph, Moses, come watch. Here it is. It's happening right now. Right? You got Holy Spirit descending like a dove. You got Jesus being baptized. First time we see Trinity. And then, and then it all happens, and God says what? Oh, my son. He erupts from heaven. Those that didn't believe heard thunder. So do you hear thunder in the morning or do you hear the father's voice? 
You make that choice. Those that didn't know heard thunder, but he said, this is my son, the delight of my life. I love the message so much in some of these areas, right? So he thunders from heaven every morning. We see Trinity, and John said, I'm not even, I'm not even worthy to wear his sandals, and I have to baptize him anyway, right? So we feel that unworthiness. We feel like I'm not even worthy to do this. If you really knew my life, I just had one of my guys fly down from Barcelona. He's been a disciple of mine for about five years, and, and I just loved him and listened to him, and we sat for a couple hours, and he just started weeping, and he said, you know what I was thinking when I got here? That you were prophetically going to see my report card over the last six months, and it's not good. And I thought you were going to reject me and rebuke me and not even want to be with me. And he said, instead, you've just loved me and encouraged me and strengthened me. Because here's the point, guys. If in the prophetic realm in that world, and I want to activate us all prophetically today, it's to strengthen, comfort, and encourage the body of Christ. If you're prophesying and giving somebody's bad news or some sin that they have or something else, it's not prophecy. It's bullshit. Can I just say that? It's to edify the body of Christ. It is never to tear down or to create some kind of animosity or fear in their life. Right? So I love the way Chris Valens talks about the, 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 the 1 Corinthians 12 gifts are the love language of heaven. Right? Those gifts are appointed by grace. So I can say, God, I need to prophesy over this person. Can I have a gift of prophecy? And he goes, yeah, here's your gift. And I prophesy and I give the gift away. God, this person needs healing. I need to lay hands on this person and see him healed. Can I have a gift of healing? And I just give that away. That's all grace. I can do that as a Christian or a non-Christian. Giftedness is without repentance. I don't need to be holy and perfect and all the things to walk in those gifts. They're free. They're gifts. That's the point. Right? So 1 Corinthians 12, 13 and 14. I love that he puts 13 in the middle because it's all about love. Right? You sound like a ganging, blanging gong. If you don't do this, love is the point. There's nothing else. Right? So he puts that in the middle. And then in 14, what does he say? When he starts 14, eagerly desire prophecy. Yeah. Eagerly desire literally means move mountains to get to the prophetic, get to, to, to speak prophetically into people's lives. Why? Because that's God's voice. It's a kiss from heaven, awakening something, activating something in us that, man, this thing is much bigger and better than what I've been told or where I've been living. And it's been hard and it sucked, but my God, my Father is going to bend down from heaven today, kiss my heart, awaken something in me that I can go give away to other people. And I promise you, the biggest way we get stuck is when we stop giving away to other people. I get every, almost every day, God, how do you keep going like this? I just don't even feel God. I don't hear God anymore. He's not around. I'm like, who are you serving? Are you going to feed the homeless on Saturday mornings? Are you prophesying over everybody that you meet? Get over yourself, stop looking at you, and go do something for the kingdom, and I promise you your spirit will lift every single time, right? We've got to stir. We've got to, self-sufficiency in Christ is the point. You don't need a priest. You don't need a pastor, right? So what he's doing here with this thin space and what he's done in Spain is he's created this, you know, the whole, if, if you guys haven't read George C. Hunter, um, The Celtic Way of Evangelism. By the way, they're making a movie. I just saw a preview of it yesterday off that book. It's St. Patrick's Story. It's powerful, but they would literally create a thin space so they have a 24-7 prayer room in the middle with a priest, and they build businesses and stuff around that, and they'd build a wall, and when wild animals would walk into this thin space, wild animals would be tamed instantly. When people would walk into that thin space, their lives would be transformed instantly. He would go around St. Patrick and rip the roofs off of churches because he said, I'm sick and tired of you going to church instead of being the church. 
And he created these thin spaces. And I know that God's saying this ultimately for all of our missional communities, that you've got to create a thin space. So when people enter this house and their marriages are in trouble, they leave this house with their marriages healed. When they enter this house with porn addictions, they leave this house set free and delivered. I'll give you a quick trick. You want to know how to get rid of a porn addiction? We're all, you know, 100% of our kids that do the real race check the box. They're porn addicted. 80-some percent of the girls. So I tell them all this. Once you, when you get hit with that spirit of you're going to want to go look at pornography, you just start praying for all your buddies that you know are getting hit with the same thing. Instantly start praying for them. It'll lift from you. Your buddies will start getting healed, and the enemy will start leaving you alone because he's ticked off because you're getting everybody healed. <laughs> right? You have to make the choice. 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he always gives us a way out. Every single time he will give you the way out. If you say, God, I want that whisper really loud. So I'm going to, and he whispers, and you go, I got a choice. Am I going to listen? Father, you know what? Right now, David's getting hit with this thing. I pray for David and Jesus, and I break that, that addict. I break it right, whatever. Depression. Stop making agreements that you're depressed. You're not depressed. You got to break the agreement. I, I start saying I'm full of anxiety. You, you break the agreement. When you say I'm depressed, you open the door to the enemy to come say, yeah, you are. And now something attaches itself to you that makes you depressed. But when I break that agreement and say I'm not depressed, I can get depressed. And when I do, I'm going to pray for all my friends that are depressed. And I'm going to walk out of my depression because it's a choice. If I have walk into a room and I think I'm, I'm full of anxiety because I don't want to do I'm going to, I'm going to walk in the opposite spirit. I'm going to walk up to somebody and say, man, pray for me. I, I feel a little anxious right now, and I know that's not the Father. And somebody prays for you, and you just keep moving, and you walk in it. Right? We walk in the opposite spirit, and the two things that keeps our hearts open and in healing is confession and risk. We just, Colin and I just did this. We walk, and we see each other, and I just love him so much. I love his heart. He just confessed some things to me. That's the number one thing. The enemy goes, crap. Now it's to the light. And now i got to take a risk and trust God's going to do something with that. And i got to take the risk to trust the person I'm talking to about it. And you can't trust very many people. That's okay. They're going to hurt you. They're going to betray you. How did Jesus do it? When when Judas betrayed him with a kiss, what did Jesus say? Oh, my friend, what are you doing, man? That's why Judas hung himself, because Jesus still loved him and had an open heart to him, even in his betrayal. Right? Amen? So let me finish this. So then we've got Ephesians 4 gifts, and this is what I want to speak into the church, and we'll pray. The Ephesians 4 gifts, right? The, the office of, the prophetic, the, the apostolic, that's all way overused and it's weird. And our poor African pastors, we've ruined them with this stuff. And I hate all the talk, right? I'm Apostle Gary. It's like, no, I don't want to die on a cross upside down. <laughs> there are these Ephesians 4 gifts that are Jesus appointed. So the, the 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12 gifts are grace appointed. We get them no matter what. And they're to edify and build up the body of Christ. Ephesians 4 gifts. You don't want them necessarily. You don't, if I, I am of an Ephesians 4 prophet, I had to own it. God made me. I walk in that. And my just sole job is not to prophesy over people. My sole job is to build up and edify the body of Christ. That's what I do with my life. I build up and edify a whole generation, now an older generation with retirement. I do the same thing to the old people that I do with the young people. I get in trouble all the time. We do these rethink retirements and there's all these 60 and 70 billionaires in the room and I'll just start activating him prophetically and they'll say like i mean one dude he would not move right <laughs> this guy would not i'm like speaking and he's lost these dreams and all this stuff multi-millionaire his wife's standing behind him going like this <laughs> and seth barnes looking at me going like this and i'm just like and then andrew walks over to him and starts slapping him in the chest <laughs> and he wouldn't move after we were done he went to seth and said i've given you a hundred thousand dollars every year i'm never going to give you money again i'm out 
He said that man overstepped his realm. About two weeks later, he gets diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Who does he reach out to? Me. Pray for him. I'm not saying I got him healed. I don't know how it works. He gets healed. Starts liking everything I'm posting on Facebook. <laughs> he shows up in the village the other day because we got this new school called Global U. It's awesome. Got all these young kids now, 25 other Americans in the village. But I, he's, at a, he's at an ATM. It's like 9 o'clock at night. And I walk up. I put my finger in his back. And I said, give me all your money. He's like, ah! <laughs> Like scared of him. You know, he'd never been out of the country, right? <laughs> and he turns around and he meets Lisa. He goes, man, I hated this guy. Your husband sucks. But man, now I love him. And he hugs me. <laughs> and now he's all back in. And he, I mean, he's like one of my biggest fans, right? So it doesn't matter the reaction of people. And it doesn't matter if you're missing it prophetically or if you heal, heal, pray for somebody to get healed and they don't get healed. That's the point. Who cares? You just keep doing it, right? And when you stop doing it, God will stop whispering to you because he can't trust you to go do it, right? So I just want to pray for everybody. If God says, hey, that person needs healed, I don't know if they're going to get healed or not. I have no idea how it works, right? So we're, we're building thin space in Keystone. We, want, uh, we, we fall into this greatness. We want people to walk in here and be really transformed by hopeful, grace-filled, love is the point. Heaven, we bring heaven. Guys, going to heaven is an awesome thing. It's not the point. It's a nice benefit because heaven's coming to earth, right? In 2 Timothy, when he says, you're going to go meet Jesus in the clouds, and everybody says, that's the rapture. Now, in, in, in Hebrew, if you study it, the, you would always go out and meet a king when he was coming into your kingdom. You would usher him in to your kingdom. And what Jesus is saying there, he's like, I'm coming and you're going to usher me in to heaven, to where we are now. This is all scriptural. You don't have to believe me. Please don't ever believe anything I tell you. Go sit with the Holy Spirit and read the word and then talk to me. Okay? Don't want to know until you do. This is real. This is right. So we bring heaven to earth every single day. It's how Jesus told his disciples to pray. And I want to bring that in this little room right now just a little bit of heaven to kiss our hearts kind of awaken us activate us and and you guys need to know this is what he's doing on the planet this is a righteous beautiful thing he stopped all of eternity and put you on the planet in colorado springs in 2020 i love all this slang christian slang now vision 2020 vision in 2020 to bring the kingdom of heaven to colorado springs in your workplaces in your marriages in your family, and you're going to be rejected, and you're going to be betrayed, and that's the point. Because if we're not rejected and betrayed, how do we transform to transform others? I, I, I literally look at my life, and I go, okay, I lost a wife to mental illness and trying to kill me and adultery and all those things, right? Lost a son to, to radical, horrible suicide. I, I, we, we shouldn't be married. We, losing a son, second marriage, all the things we've been through, all the statistics say we should have never stuck. We have never had a better marriage than today. It's incredible. And we fight. Oh, my God, she's a fighter. You know, Lisa, she, and she likes the F-bomb when she fights with me. I'm just going <laughs> to confession and risk, right? <laughs> but it's because I've honestly, guys, I fell into learning that this is the point. Love is the point. Activating people that you meet, not from religion, not from performance, not from trying to get them saved from hell, but by just loving them really well. And then they go, why are you different? Like, I, I just posted this down. I don't know if you watched my video. We're in an emergency room. There. We're trying to fly in America. we got to go to the emergency room for something. 
We're in an emergency room in Garden City, Kansas, where I used to go pheasant hunt in the middle of nowhere. And we've got like five doctors and nurses and all these people around us. And she, the first thing she says is, the worst patients we get are Christians. We hate getting Christians because they're the most negative, pathetic people that come in here. Churchgoers, yeah. And so <laughs> we're like, whoa, crap, here we go, right? <laughs> and we just loved them and prophesied over them. And Lisa kept saying, I'm going to pray for you on this. And they all just gathered in our room and they wouldn't leave. We were there like three hours. And they just loved us being in that. Pre our presence in the room changed the room. Does that make sense? Because we're, we're not there trying to do anything except just be. And when we can become that, then we're that. So can we pray? Let's stand up together real quick. Just close our eyes for a minute. I just want to um, oh, just have a conversation with the Father. I know there's a lot of stuff going on in the room. There always is. I know that um, whew, it's hard because we don't feel him and we don't see. And, and the enemy comes in and, and, and says, don't risk again. These people are going to hurt you again. And all these people are so bitter and angry at the church. And um, I get it. I know. I see it every single day. I get these young people that have been told lies their whole lives, and they're so full of fear and anxiety and religion, and it takes months to, to convince them that they were, the only reason they're on earth was they were born to be loved, period. And they need to stop trying to love God and let God just love them. And that's what we're trying to do today. So let God just love you for a minute. Stop trying to love him. And let the Father just come and kiss your heart. I think there's just some dreams. He told me about 3.50 a.m. this morning. He gave me two things, thin space and then activate dreams. I think there's just some dreams. Maybe we know and we push down. And we can't even dare to hope for that again because the expectation or the failure of that is so great. And God says, baby, I wouldn't have given it to you if I didn't want you to have it. Now, usually you have to go the other way. And dreams I gave you could be in 20 years. That's okay. Things that God told me in the 90s are just now starting to happen. And I had to go uh, through a whole lot of things to get to this space. And I'm going to have to go through a lot more, I know. But just talk to the Father for a minute, and I just want to pray for you. Just say, Father, is it okay to risk again? Is it okay to open my heart? Is it okay to believe and dream again?